This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. It takes a minute. It takes a minute. Beep! Providing insight. It kind of sounds like some kind of howler monkey. Commentary. You're about to see something happen here. And conjecture. He's found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. There he is. Hey, there you are. How you doing, Brad? <sighs> I'm doing good. Doing good. <laughs> it's good to talk to you this evening. Yes, it is. This morning. This afternoon. Whatever time it is. Doesn't matter what time it is, does it? Nope. Nope. The lightning is all gone. It's, yeah, that it's was after a... the rain, as... As, uh... Led Zeppelin may have may have said about that. Is that was that it? Was? was it Led Zeppelin? I don't know. Wasn't it Nelson? Maybe it was uh, the Thompson twins. There were some types of twins, I think. So, yeah, yeah, probably no. long blonde hair. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. You were right the first time. So, no, it's the rain song. So, Adam. Yes. Oh, there you go. If our now. listeners now have not been sold on the concept of sticks yet, <laughs> there now there's no way they can resist after that nugget. Now, seriously, had you ever heard that? No, I have not ever heard that. You're welcome. I mean, yeah, definitely. Thank you How did for that... bringing that to my attention. <laughs> How did that make you feel? <laughs> uh, I don't did it, know. Did... Did it fall in with your worldview of sticks, or did it fall outside of your worldview of sticks? And if so, did it make them, I guess, quote-unquote better, or quote-unquote worse, if there is such a thing? It definitely added to the enigmatic quality of sticks, (laughs) without a doubt. I will say that. It was a whole new dimension to the enigma Yes, they are enigmatic. But that was, see, now that song, though, was John Kuraluski's influence on the band. And he was out of there after, like, four albums in. He was just out. It's like, Dennis has taken over too much, you know, with these operatic... Right, well, it seemed like... So I didn't really... So in continuing my sticks research, like it seems to me, and so I don't have it all exactly in my head right now to call upon, but it seems like they started out and they had kind of a couple mild hits at first. Well, Lady was the big one. That was off their second album, Sticks 2. It's huge. Blew up. And then it's like, oh, we can do whatever we want now. So then they had Man of Miracles and Serpent is Rising. And they were like, 
Well, these aren't that good. And then, you know, they have one more Equinox then. Right. And then Kurilewski's like, I'm out. And he left either during the Equinox tour or just before they went on tour for Equinox. And that's when they brought Tommy in. So, contrary to popular belief, Tommy Shaw is not an original member of Styx. He came in later. Right. But then at that time, after Kurilewski left, really everything I think of of Styx... That's when it started to coalesce. That's when it happened. That's when the bizarre marching band operatic Broadway all-in-one things started to go on. Well, I don't know if anything's more bizarre than plexiglass toilet, though. Honestly. Plexiglass toilet isn't that bizarre. I mean, it's... It's, you know, it's it's too like some, I don't know, some tune like, what is that tune? Wipe the butt clean with the paper, make it nice for everyone? I mean, it's obviously some people joking around. Is it too intentionally bizarre? Like they're Possibly. trying too hard well, I don't think they're trying to be bizarre. It just sounds to me more like they're just like joking around. Like that could be a secret track on a lot of different albums from that time period well 1973 like there wasn't too much of that going on like that didn't really hit its heyday this sort of like hidden track deal until at least as far as i'm aware like the 90s you know you have your space hogs now if they did this track that that don't sit down in the plexiglass toilet and said hey this is our next number one single. And like they opened all their shows with that. Yeah. I'm not. They, they got made. They, they attempted to get major radio airplay. That was just Um, like, yeah, yeah, it fell flat. Then I would be like, that's kind of brain damaged. Probably not. Probably not. It was probably just a stupid thing they were doing. I mean, they just put a lot of work into it for just a stupid thing. They did. They like. I don't know if you're joking or not. No, I'm not joking about that. Like, like, yeah, it's actually they produced this whole track. It's not just like they're in the studio and just kind of improvise something stupid. Yeah, and it kind of crescendos up, and more layers come in. Like, yeah, it wasn't just something that they did in one take. It's definitely produced. So I. Well, it was you know, more you, strange. You bring up a good point. So, like, though. I never even, I wasn't even aware of the album "Serpent Is Rising." I missed that one completely until you sent me that. And perhaps that's because in the last, in like thirty some years that it's been in print, it's it hasn't even sold a hundred thousand copies yet, according to Wikipedia. Um, it's forty-one years, unfortunately, which I find that hard to believe. It's yeah, 41 years, but their stat is as of 2007. So there could have been a run on it in the last seven years. Well, here's the problem with that. So it was originally released under Wooden Nickel, and then Wooden Nickel Records went out of business, basically. So then... They put all um, their money on sticks, and it was like, Fuck. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. So then... Like, uh, I don't even know when. I'd have to look it up, but I'm not going to do that. It was probably late 80s, 
probably late 80s, maybe early 90s. And then RCA bought the rights, I guess, is how that works. And they re-released. So the first four albums, Styx, or Styx 1, as it's known, Styx 2, and then uh, The Serpent is Rising and Man of Miracles. So they re-released Styx 1, Styx 2, just as that, because that's what they were called. But then they re-released Serpent is Rising just as Serpent. And Man of Miracles, or maybe The Man of Miracles, I think maybe just as Miracles. So for some reason they thought it, maybe they'd sell more if they shortened the names. And I don't it know. It was I maybe, for a different time. I guess. And I may be talking out of my proverbial ass now, but I want to say that the the RCA re-release did not have plexiglass toilet on it. But I'd have to confirm that. I know that it was kind of like a thing that was a little difficult to find. I mean, all those albums were difficult to find. When I found them, I would buy it, even if I already had one or two copies of it. But they were they were slightly different when they were re-released. And I want to say that was mid-90s. Because I remember being really excited when I could obtain them again. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, because... I thought they were know, re-released in, like, the early 80s. Well, with, maybe the, with the resurgence of sticks. With the Mr. Roboto phenomenon. Yeah, right before perhaps. that. Like, when they had, you know... The heyday of sticks was really... Well, 78. The, yeah, like that late 70s. They They're had riding, a string of hits there. Right. Riding the wave of Come Sail Away. Yes. From 77, washing into the early 80s. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe so. You could be right. You know more about sticks than I do. I know. So. I've read the entire Wikipedia entry on every single Sticks album. You celebrate their entire catalog. I do. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. Exactly. Maybe not everyone. Did they re- they re- have they released an album with this new guy, or they don't bother? They just stick to the classics. They're not like making new. They, you know, up until like two thousand four, I was still kind of following their new releases but when they were all standing on a beach staring at a giant hovering carrot in the sky and i realized they were trying to be like pink floyd somehow i gave up so i don't know i don't know and the thing about their more recent releases is there'll be like one song where and it's usually an instrumental it's like this is actually okay and the rest of it is total shit like in 2002 or 3 or 4 somewhere in there Billy Bob Thornton contributed to one of their albums Jack Black contributed to one of their songs on that same album and they were really trying to do something but it just it wasn't working Wish I could remember the name of the album. I had, I think it was called. Uh, no, it was called um, Cyclorama. That's what it was called. Cyclorama, okay. and that's about where I gave up because even with the contributions of Billy Bob and Jack Black, both of whom I'll admit it, I'm pretty big fans of. 
especially Jack Black's music career. I enjoy it. Even that wasn't enough to redeem that album. But there was one song on there that I I can't remember the name of, but it was an instrumental, and it harkened back to the uh, Aku Aku song off of uh, Pieces of Eight, which is just a very, like, melodic, sort of flowy, like, beds of synthesizers and flowy guitar. It was really nice, and you can just kind of sink into it and fall asleep to it. And they were trying to do a little bit of that, and they kind of pulled it off, but the rest of, like, their rock and roll songs that J.Y. was trying to really, like, reestablish himself as a paragon of rock. Of sexy rock. Sexy rock. Terrible, man. (laughs) Ah, so awful. (laughs) Like, even, even I could not give it my rubber stamp, Brad. In 2009, Sticks oh. and Ario Speedwagon teamed up to record a single entitled Can't Stop Rockin'. Well, you know, and that's, that's the truth. Because they can't. For better or for worse. <laughs> they can't. Yeah. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> yeah. they, they can't stop, quote unquote, rockin'. So Lady did not become... Because I... Th- did not become a hit until 1975. Years after it was actually, that's when that song was discovered and became the the hit. Yeah, you know what? There was launched them then. You're right. There was a radio station. I don't know if it was a college radio station or something, but yeah, that's right. Some DJ like started playing it, and the story goes that like the boards just lit up. With everybody saying, oh, what's that? I want to hear it again. And then that kind of like spawned mm-hmm. the whole renaissance of Lady. Yeah. So they were, for many years there, toiling in obscurity. Well, and you know what? Through... That's, that's probably when Kurilewski left. He's like, well, this shit isn't going to do anything ever. And then he left. And then like three months later, they were insanely popular. And Tommy got all it all the uh, kudos from that point on. And then he died of a brain aneurysm in 1988. Both Johns that were in the band died of um, terrible physical complications. Um, The two brothers, the Panazzo brothers, John and Chuck. John being the drummer, Chuck being the bass player. Both of whom are dead, but John, the drummer, died the night before um, me and Joss Whedon went and saw them at the Jones Beach Amphitheater in New York, and they were playing back-to-back shows. I don't remember where the day before was, somewhere around there. I don't think it was at the same venue, but they canceled that show the day he died, you know, to... Mm -hmm pay their condolences and have their grieving time. And then they played the next day, God bless them, and we drove to see them. And it was, you know, it was sad. And I heard it on the radio the morning before the show. I woke up, I think I had to go to school. It was probably a Friday. And WZZO out of Allentown was like, ooh, 
The drummer of Styx passed away. Cirrhosis of the liver, Brad. Too much booze. Yep. That'll do it every time. But then they played the next day. Thank goodness for keep, us. Gotta keep rocking, Brad. Gotta keep working. Yeah. That's true. I'm gonna put a link here to Don't Sit Down on the Plexiglass do Toilet. It. Do it. People may, well, I'm sure, want to hear that in their entire, in oh, its entirety. They have to. You can't just have me playing it on my iPhone, pointing into the mic. Come on. So here, yeah. let me put that in there. So here we go. Don't sit down. The plexiglass toilet. There we go. We got the link. Oh boy. But yeah, my brother brought that one up, and I hadn't thought about that song in quite some time. Used to be a staple back in the day. It has mean it has meaning for you. It does. You've made your own meaning. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. It's nostalgic, is that what you're saying? Like nostalgic can make it's a thing related to that. It's better than it that. actually is. I'm not I'm not saying you know, that. I'm just wraps saying it around it has in meaning. this whole these these golden these golden slumbers, these golden showers. I would say it could be, you know, whether it's a song that's widely regarded as impactful or whether it's not, it isn't, is there, is ear, um, it's, it's just, you know, man, like it, it doesn't matter if it has meaning for you. Well, isn't that the only thing that matters, is if it has meaning for me? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I'm saying, yeah, so saying it has meaning for you, I'm not trying to put it down. I'm saying it has meaning for you. Like, it could be anything. Well, guess what? It It could be a a kick-ass song that everyone loves, like uh, The Grand Illusion, for example. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now you're just being an asshole. Because you hadn't heard of any stick song before you met me, so let's remember That's that. That's completely true. Let's remember that. And I not still, even Mr. Roboto. Never heard of it. Mr. Roboto. Not that no, I have no, to use that. I knew that. Mr. Roboto. I knew Mr. Roboto. As the we, I knew that. I did not know the name of the band that did that song with sticks. You're already backpedaling. See that? It's like you're. Mm, I don't no. know, man. Not trusting your words. Yeah, anymore. maybe I, you know, no, I definitely know Mr. Roboto. I believe I've, I've relayed this to you on multiple occasions. MTV, like in high school. Maybe I just had a like top 10 worst music videos of all time <laughs> countdown. And number three was Mr. Roboto. And that's what introduced me to the concept of Mr. Roboto. And that's why I knew that song. Wait. What was that music? I don't know if I've ever seen that music video. I mean, I've seen Caught in the Act, the, you know, basically feature yeah. film length concert I, slash I mean, movie event. I can't event. quite remember it. I do remember it reminded me of the whole, like, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, there were, like, heads, like, arranged in a maybe square pattern on the screen or like a, like a cross, like a T kind of a thing. And they were, Are like, you- in a chorus singing. Are you sure that wasn't too much time on my hands? No, I've seen the video for too much time on my hands. For some reason, oh, that constantly yeah. comes up on YouTube. Like, you would like mm-hmm. to see this. And I'm like, yeah, I've already seen it 27 times. Sure, I'll watch it again. Oh, more than that. Come on. They're like in some, some bar. Yeah. 
one of, I think it's one of the Panazos does some weird thing with the cigars backwards and spins it around. I think that was Chuck. Probably. I can't really keep the Panazzo straight. Uh, it's a little hard. So how about that Big Lebowski movie? Yeah, that's pretty... The more I think about it, the more popular it seems to be. Like, the more it has permeated the culture. I didn't realize when we started this how deeply it had woven itself into the fabric of our uh, collective consciousness. So, could you imagine? So they did this... uh... They have this Fargo TV show going on. Which you haven't seen it yet, Which I have haven't you? watched, no. Have Me you? either. I yeah, haven't watched it. I haven't it. watched it. I'd like to. I'll get to the it hell, eventually. yeah. I want to. But I got Louie, episodes of Louie oh, out there. Louis. Like I'm, Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to watch Fargo before I watch Louie? Come on. I watched the first two. I got two in the queue, got ready to go. two in the queue, yeah. Watched those last night. It's good stuff. Louie's just good. Can't, he's, good. he's so he's golden. He's the golden boy, man. He's a golden boy. He writes, he produces, he directs, he acts, he edits. I just can't take it. He works fucking hard. He's a hard so, worker. So, 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 so there's yes. Fargo show. Fargo show. Which okay. isn't a recreation of the movie Fargo or anything. It's just kind of like inspired by. But I've seen it's like. It's kind of weird. Freeze frames of it where, like, they're out digging up the suitcase and stuff. So there are curious overlaps, aren't there? Could be. Is Oliver Platt in that show? I don't know. I think he might be. Billy Bob is in it. Billy Bob, William. Martin. Martin Freeman. I think his name is. Oh, from uh, The Hobbit and yes. uh, Sherlock. What's his name? Sherlock Holmes. The, Sherlock. the yeah. original office. Right. Original office. Yes. Right. He's the Jim character. Yep. That's right. Oh, the original office. Jim is the so him character, I guess. Yes. The, you uh, know, he, here's the problem with the original office. I put it on, Brad, and I can literally only understand every third word that they're saying. I watch it with subtitles. And I can I understand that it's funny and every once in a while I get what they're doing and it's hilarious, but it's so difficult to like I I strain so hard to make meaning of what they're the sounds they're making with their mouths that like 80% of the humor is lost on me. So you watch it with subtitles. I watch it with subtitles and it doesn't matter. Like the subtitles, like, because I can read the subtitles and then because I can see them, I can then understand what they're saying and the delivery. It works enough for me to like more or less almost pass out laughing. So you've had this same situation where you can't understand yeah, what they're like saying. Yeah, like we try to watch it. Like when we first tried to watch it, it was like, I don't understand. We're like, well, let's put on the subtitles and see. And then it was like, forget about it. Well, see, is that like the Beatles, like once they start singing, they don't have British accents anymore? Because Martin Freeman in The Hobbit and in Sherlock, I can understand him perfectly fine. Like, were they put, like, affecting themselves for that show? Or they're affecting themselves for doing those other things, maybe, knowing it has a more international audience? 
Which one is it? Or maybe just part of that character, like they're speaking in a more regional type of dialect. Like, again, like Fargo, right? Like a whole bunch of, with some kind of extra Mm. accent that makes it even harder to understand. That is somehow makes it more funny to people in England watching it. I get behind what you're saying, except that The Office took place in London, right? No, it took place in uh, Slough. Oh, all right. Werner Hogg. Wernham Hogg. And Slough. I I love, like, Grizzly Man. Great movie. So you think it was some sort of regional thing? Well, I don't know if I think that was just a theory I just can't came up with on the spot here. Mm. Who knows what it is? Or it was just, like, more fast-talking. It's not, because, like, Sherlock is very much sort of, like, those episodes go on for, like, eight hours each sometimes. So it's, like, slower paced, perhaps, so they can be more deliberate with their delivery. And if you're in a sort of casual, not casual, but, like, office environment where it's very rapid fire, maybe we just can't keep up. Hmm. Could this be the difference between comedy Especially British comedy. And drama. And drama. So, what about, where I'm going with this Fargo thing. Okay, where are you going? I was going to talk about Ricky Gervais's show where he works at the uh, old folks' home, but let's talk about Fargo. Uh, all I wanted to say is... Try to imagine to a show mm-hmm. inspired by The Big Lebowski. What do you think I do every day, all day long? Now, that's an interesting thought experiment, man. Now, that's fantastic. I sat down in front of my computer and I said, Today, today, Brad, is the day that I'm going to finally write a movie again after a long, long hiatus. But all I could think of was basically writing a movie like The Big Lebowski that I would film. And then after I would, I would think about it a little bit and start to type, I realized that all of the characters were speaking Lebowskis. But like literally just re-speaking lines out of the movie. This has ruined me a little bit. Well, you could use that to your advantage. Like, you could, like, make a movie that was purely nothing but lines from The Big Lebowski rearranged to make a totally different movie. And I think people would be uh, interested in that enough. Well, yeah, but I might get That could get you attention, and then you'd be ready to go launch into... And you'd plus burn that out of your system. Then you'd be ready to go make, you know, your next movie. It's a nice idea, but I might get sued. You know, think if I used literally all of the dialogue from this movie. It's, or maybe 90%. You know, it's, a, you, yeah. it's a gray area. It, so if it's a different smooth. work of art, you might be able to pass it off as a new thing, right? But yeah, it just, uh, it's cobwebs up there right now. It's depressing. TV show based on Big Lebowski. I like it. Somebody well, let's should start do working it. on that. Well, that could be All their right. follow up to whoever's doing this Fargo show, right? They could do a big. They could just do a different Cohen movie, or maybe just a different movie, right? A different, uh, 
kind of cult film. Next, they could do like a Blue Velvet. Although mm. that they already kind of did that with Twin Peaks, I guess. <laughs> David Lynch did that already to his own movie. Right. He did. He kind of did. All right. So that was Fargo. You ready to... Do you want to... I don't know. Do you have any more sticks thoughts here? or um, Let's jump wanna, into the minute. Let's, let's get going. You want to play the minute? We're about a half hour in. It's a good time. <laughs> All right. We're about okay, a let's half play. hour left in the batteries, so... Roll it. Do it. Nothing. And tomorrow we come back and we cut off your Johnson. Excuse me? I said we cut off your Johnson! Just think about that Lebowski. Ah, you wiggle it, Lebowski. It was discovered last night in Van Nuys, uh, lodged against an abutment. Oh, man. Lodged where? You're lucky she didn't get chopped, Mr. Lebowski. Oh, man. Must have been a joyride situation. They abandoned the vehicle once they hit the retaining wall. Oh, my fucking briefcase, man. It's not here. Yeah, Shit. I saw that on the report. Sorry. Uh, you got to get in on the other side. Uh, the side view was found on the road by the car. You're lucky they left the uh, tape deck, though, in the Credence. Oh, Jesus, what's that smell, man? Uh, yeah, it's uh, probably a vagrant slept in the car. Brad, I have so much to cover. I don't know what we're going to do here. Um, we're never going to get through all of it. We talked about sticks for a long time. Wow. But here, let's get back into it. Let's not let's even give waste it a shot. time. Here, we can do a, 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 a speed round. All right, we'll do a speed round. We can we could take it easy, but if it hits 50 minutes, we got to do a speed round, all right? All right. All right. Hi, Brad. Hey. How'd you like that minute? It's a beautiful minute. <sighs> Lots to digest there, my friend. Lots yes. to we, digest. We start with the nihilists, move into the, uh, the car lot. With the cop who, you know, that's the fascinating thing to me about this movie is even all of these minor characters who have no more than maybe 30 to 60 seconds of screen time, maybe 90 seconds of screen time, they're borderline iconic. Think about the dude's landlord, this cop, uh, who else? Even the nihilists, they're not on screen that long, you know? Maud. She has a little bit more than them. Yeah, Maud's, Maud doesn't quite count, I don't think. But, there, well, there's, like, the sheriff that arrests him. Yeah, the chief of police of Malibu. Real reactionary. You got Wu and the treehorn thugs. The, yeah, the limo driver. The limo driver. What's his name? We have a name Dom for him. Herrera. Dom Herrera. thank you. So you're right. It's part of what makes... The, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I was going to say, you know, most movies work in that premise that they have to create this kind of continuity that, like, a world exists, but never do they pepper, or I should say, give all of these characters that chance to actually shine and show. Well, yeah, and in particular, like, big-budget Hollywood movies, like... We're still relying on the star system where, okay, we've got our movie and we've got Tom Cruise. Awesome. 
And then we got Kate Winslet. Great. So we got our two, the big ones. And then we'll get, like, you know, Bill Nye, and then uh, Judd Nelson, and then maybe one or two others that you haven't heard of too much, but you might recognize their faces, and then just a laundry list of throwaways. And even, like, numbers three and four don't really contribute that much. They just let the stars carry it, because it's like, that's what people are coming to see. But in this movie, sure, you got your Jeff Bridges and your John Goodman. Those are the two biggest stars. In 1998, how... Now, Jeff Bridges was pretty big. Goodman, I don't know about Goodman. No, Goodman was big as well. He he was big. Uh, Stevie B? Not that much. I don't think so. He he was a known quantity, like, if you were a film buff. Right, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. A cameo in Pulp Fiction, Trees Lounge, Living in Oblivion. But he was, like, living in the indie film world for the most part yes so i guess my point is this and you don't watch football and don't really follow football but the thing ball foot game i'm talking about the national football league of the united states of america not to be confused with the other football the thing about football though that's so fascinating to me is that it's a basically a transparent business model. And what I mean by that is, you know, you know, all the salaries of all the players, all the coaches and everyone. Boom. So there's, there's the money, how much money the team makes, how much money the league makes. It's all the finances are out there for everybody to see. It's pub. Bam. You could just see it. Number two is like, it's, and this is how it relates to this, it is a talent acquisition business. So, what I mean by that is, as opposed to, like, Hollywood, and you're making Mission Impossible 14 with Tom Cruise again, whose salary goes up and up and up the more Mission Impossibles he makes and the more money he makes for that studio, they just keep paying him more and more money. So you've got one star now that's supposed to carry this movie. And I guess that can still work, you know? And then you have a couple of supporting stars and then everybody else is nothing. It doesn't really matter. You could have anybody in there. As opposed to the NFL where and this is peculiar to the salary cap era, there's a cap on how much you can spend on your actors. And by actors, I mean football players. So if you're going to spend half of your salary, or half of your budget, I guess, on one player, now you have to fill in the rest of your team, 52 other players, with the other 50% of your budget. So the issue then becomes... How do we get a quality person in the lead? They're going to be a star, but not not the top top. You know, in 1998, who would have who would that have been? Like Johnny Depp, probably. He would have commanded more money than Jeff Bridge. I don't know. They still got their star, but then they used the rest of the resources 
to go out and meticulously cast the rest of their team of actors. And they used the money wisely, which is what you have to do as a football team. You have to go out and have people, and this is where the casting director comes in. You know, it's talent acquisition. So it's like, no, this is a perfect person for this role. And here we are. We have all of these, like, basically bit parts that are iconic. So I think the Big Lebowski is, like, I don't know, the New England Patriots or the Steelers of the film world because they use their resources so wisely to find, like, undiscovered gems. Not undiscovered, maybe, but, like, you know, sort of, like, buried in the, sure. the background chatter of everything else. And it's like picking out those little gems and nuggets are going to work perfectly in your film. I think that's what they did here. That a lot of movies just don't pull off. You know, a lot of those secondary roles and bit parts just fade into nothing. You know, you don't remember them. That was my point. Might well, and they don't, sense. I mean, they play to that strength, though, too, because a lot of movies don't give those, give those bit parts any meat, really. Now, the that's they a do good here. point. That's a good point, because a lot of times it's just like the dude and the other person on screen, maybe with not anybody else. Right. Like, let's say they do get driven somewhere in a limo. They don't make a point to give that guy a bunch of dialogue. Right, right. Yeah, he'll have a couple lines, and there'll also be, like, four other people around. And a bunch of other shit going on. Where it's like, no, this is going to be two minutes. Just our main character and this guy. Give him a chance to shine, right? I like it. I like it. And speaking of shining, these nihilists, again with their crazy chatter as they're leaving the bathroom here. I have one word for you. I think I know what the word is going to be. Say it. Wiggly. Wiggly. (laughs) (laughs) I have a confession to make. Please confess. I, I was listening to this over and over with my eyes closed, trying to parse out what the hell that one guy... I know it's Peter Stormare and Flea, and it's the other guy who I don't know his name. He's the one who says Wiggly. And I was just listening over and over, trying to figure out what he was saying. I turned the captions on for that line. I'm sorry, man. Hey, that's all right. I know that's your territory, but I had to do it. Hey, I don't have, I don't need to like guard that territory. It's not for everyone. <laughs> Your wiggly penis, Lebowski. Yeah, maybe, maybe we a... stomp on it and squish it. <laughs> squish it. But then he turns the light off. Like, <laughs> he turns the light off, man. Those are some curiously polite nihilists to, on their way out, after smashing his apartment to smithereens, assaulting him with a ferret, or marmot, and threatening castration, they turn the light off on the way out. Like, they were raised right, Brad. 
You know, they had some good upbringing. They can't escape. Exactly. They just can't escape their upbringing. As, <laughs> as, as much as they try to be nihilists. None of us can. They're, they're just maybe that's nice. just more nihil. That's just how much they don't care. Right? It you expect to us to be a certain way. <laughs> you expect us to be total hard asses, but we don't care. We'll turn the light off. It makes me happy, so I'll do it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, keeping with the... Well, it's not really keeping with that, but... As they're leaving, I noticed... I guess I would call this an egregious oversight on my part because, you know, I try to look at every detail within the frame. The dude's towel that's hanging behind the candles, and this is at 5617, is a bowling ball towel. It's like two hands, like, extending down, at holding two bowling balls. It's above and to the left of the candles. Above and to the left of the candles. Fifty-six, seventeen. It's it, oh, and it's almost oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the the candles by the doorway. No, 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 no. In the bathroom. Yes, but by the doorway to the bathroom. Right, right. For some reason, I was looking behind the dude's head. Yeah, yeah. They are. And it almost looks like a shot from when the dude was free-falling during the uh, dream sequence. You know? When he sees the bowling ball in his hand, and then he plummets towards Those the earth. Those are not hands. Those are pins. Oh, they's, though, oh, you're right. Those are pins. Well, I don't yeah. understand. There's like two pins. One and pin behind balls. each ball. Right. As if it's maybe some kind of like bowler's fantasy. You have this split one pin on either side, and your ball can split in two and split hit them into both. Two, so you don't have to kick one over. It just splits it's some into kind two of like balls. bowling humor. Perhaps yeah. I mean oh, we can't see right. what's on the rest of the towel to really understand why. I really like that. That's some obtuse bowling humor. I'm gonna go with that. That's good. Like, only, like, the dude or, you know, the people that leave will look at that and, like, laugh. Like, I look at them just like, uh, okay, there's two balls and two pins. Like, what? Man, that's a good, that's a good get, Brad. That's a real good get. I give you a lot of props for that one, man. I think that's exactly what that is. The dreaded 7-10 split. But it's like, oh, the pins are going to split? My ball's going to split, too. And then, bam, it just takes them both out. I love that. <coughs> nice work. Well, I, I try. Every once in a while, I hit something. Blind. Yeah, blind squirrel finds a nut. Yep. Exactly. 56-23, Brad. Some nice... And I don't... Not <laughs> sure how they did this exactly. It must have been some kind of trick. But in the back corner of his tub, there are carbon stains on his tiles from where the candles have been burning over days, weeks, perhaps months, potentially years, where he hasn't cleaned it. Yes. You know, you burn a candle and it like makes these black stains if the, the flame is too close to any surface. Yes. There they are. So 
That's either like shoe polish that they rubbed on there, but it's pretty granular looking. And it's almost like they spent a little time actually burning candles to make these stains. Maybe this could happen in a few hours, you know, like six or eight hours or something. Yeah, I don't really know. But that's that's pretty meticulous. Maybe, you know, Jeff Bridges just goes method and he lived in this apartment for several months used is as the dude. And they could just film it there. Yeah. No, they're on really. a they're on a schedule. It's a nice idea. Well, they're not like even on a schedule, but it's probably all not even filmed in the same. It's a set, like half the room is, you know, it's split in half or whatever, so they could film. Probably. Right, but he could still, like, spend his off hours in this half the apartment. Isn't there another scene? Have we already seen him in the bathtub? Can we see that corner at some other point? Maybe not. It's all starting to blur together, man. It is. Have we seen him in the bathtub? I don't know. I don't think so. No, no. This is the first time. We see the bathtub, but we don't see that right. corner of it. We see it in the very beginning of the film. And we see him but... freshly bathed. Right. But not actually in the tub. Yeah. You're he does, still he does suffering. Like to bathe. You still got some... I got something uh, here. Cardio, but not car- bronchial things going on. Yeah, there, something, something's going on a little bit here, unfortunately. So that's been hanging on you for a oh, little bit long now. time. Oof. At this point, it's been like two two weeks. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. It's not so bad anymore, but yeah, I think uh, using my uh, using your my voice. vocal box here is it's irritating things a bit. Your voice meets. So how about this? Here's one. This is more of like, I won't call it philosophical. This is more like a, um, I don't know what you would call this, but we were talking about uh, small, like bit part characters, like becoming iconic. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit here to the next minute, but this cop, has one of the most iconic lines in this movie. And we just have to face the facts that there's like 30 iconic right, lines in this right. movie, all right? But whatever, I'm, I'm just embracing that. One of them is Leeds. <laughs> Leeds, yeah. They got us, they, you know, they assigned four more detectives to the case. They got us working in shifts, you know. So that's one of the things. So at 56.25... We transition now from the bathroom. The nihilists leave the bathroom. Dude's sitting in the tub, and he kind of gets gives him this look like, are you kidding me? And he kind of slumps his head down and looks after them as they smash some more stuff, and he's sitting there in his tub. And he's like, this shit's got to end. This is ridiculous. And then a couple of things about this transition. First things first. He looks over. Now we cut. Visually, we cut to the um, auto impound lot. Right, which is actually which, the uh, the auto circus. Yeah, the auto circus. Which I don't really understand that terminology. Me either. The North and why, Hollywood Auto Circus there on Victory. 
and why cops have access to it, but I guess you like know he's the, just like yeah, like whatever. they use the auto circus when they find stolen cars, they call the tow truck up, they have a deal with him. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Anyway, so this cop's gonna have this line like leads. Yeah, they put four more. Blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Like making fun of the dude for like, are you kidding me? A 1973 Grand Torino that's already beat to shit and is terrible and worth like a hundred dollars. And we're gonna dedicate our valuable resources to like finding the teenagers, basically, who did this. Right. When there's probably hundreds of cases of like this every night. Well, yeah, every night, and you know, murders and mass killings, and who knows, bank robber uh, things. They have to actually worry about domestic abuse. Who knows, you know? And it's like, yeah, your hundred dollar car. Well, here, you got it back. Be happy. So anyway, this leads line where he basically ridicules the dude for suggesting that the police might spend any additional resources on it. When we cut to the auto circus there on Victory in North Hollywood, it's a, it's a crane shot. So we start up high and really out wide. And what it does is give you this impression and it's not even an impression it's reality of hundreds of cars just lined up just in rows and rows of old beat up cars most of them are all kind of screwed up and bashed up none of them look like very expensive cars just hundreds possibly thousands of cars rows upon rows of them and then as the dude and the cop enter the scene, now we crane down, we get closer to the ground, and we move into the car, and we focus just on the car as they get closer. But it's that initial shot where it's like, are you kidding me? Look at these thousands of cars all around. And that, you know, that uh, that influences that, that line. Like, right. Yeah, it's leads, setting it up. Leads, it's setting uh, it up. Sets it up, right? It's like the setup to the joke. Not something I took in consciously ever before. But when you look at it, it's like if they just would have started down low at like eye level, it wouldn't have been as funny, you know? Because you get that. You get that visual of like this ocean of cars. <laughs> right. And well, and it's like you said, you don't, it's subconscious almost. Like it gives you this information that almost subconscious, not, not that, subconscious. That you don't even realize it, like you need that right, you'll, you right. will need later, right? It makes the joke even work better. Cause if there was some reference, like, you know, maybe it started. So another way to do it would be it shows the, you well, know, you the dude it. comes into the little, like, room or whatever to this detective and be like, hey, I'm looking for my car. But right before there, maybe as they're walking out, you hear another guy say, like, oh, we have hundreds of stolen cars every night or something like that. Right? They right. somehow ham-fisted putting it through with well, like a he- dialogue. He- Here's a better way. Like, you wouldn't do it with dialogue. That would be too ham-fisted. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. But imagine if Michael Bay was shooting this scene, 
instead of like this subtle, like you start up a little bit higher, just so you can get like the real perspective of how many cars there are. It's a subtle move, and he moves down, and then you focus in on the car. If Michael Bay was shooting this, we would cut, and it would be a helicopter shot over rows and rows and rows of cars coming up to a close-up of the dude looking out over the rows of the cars. No dialogue, but like, you know, swooping down and like the oceans and oceans of cars, rows of cars swooping down over them. The dude is tiny figure in the distance and you come up to his face and be like, look at how many cars there are. That would be like the ham-fisted, like, but still thinking your clever way of doing it. Whereas this is practically unnoticeable. Well, it's so fluid. It's so like fluid. Like by the time you like you said, you don't even notice it because it's it's just the dude of the it's just the shot of these two guys coming up to the car. And like the fact that it starts up high, you don't even have time to really think about that. No, because they're talking and he's like, ah, shit, and you know, you can kind of tell the car's a little more beat up, and you feel bad for him. You know, and there's dialogue going over it. They're not, like, pressing it right in on your face that there's so many cars. You know, you're still thinking about the dude, really, because he's talking. He's literally talking, so you're listening to him. You know, audio can do a lot to, like, I don't know, distract you or like direct your attention to different places. I think that's part of what's going on here too. Because you know he's like, he just wants the briefcase to be in there. So there's a plot thing going on, you know? So you got the audio distraction of the dude talking. You got a plot device of let's hope for God's sakes the briefcase is in there with a million dollars. But you know, like you said, that just, that, plants that seed in there of the setup for the joke that's going to come in about a minute. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Friggin' beautiful. So before we move on too much from this, and we have to enter the lightning round now. Okay, yep. Lightning and round we, time. We're, lightning we're running round. Okay. low on, on time, <laughs> and low on time. there is a lot to... A lot to... A lot of ins, a lot of outs. So, all right. And we're going to stay on this transition from the bathtub scene where the nihilists leave, cutting to the uh, giant auto circus here. There's an audio note, and it's... So, what you do to cover these transitions and make them more seamless and feel better is you, you, you do an L cut or a J cut, which we've talked about before, yes. where you overlap the audio. So in other words, the dude is sitting in his tub, and you hear the cops start talking. She was discovered last night in Van Nuys, but the dude's sitting in his bathtub when you hear that. And your mind says, wait, what is this? What is this? So it's prepping you to change scenes. It's fine. They do that. Every movie does that. They do it all the time. But here's the weird thing, Brad. There is an incongruous speech slash traffic decision that they make in that the dude sitting in his tub we hear the cops start talking now yeah in in the auto circus but we don't hear any of the ambient sound of traffic in the distance or anything else until the picture cuts so they doubled up that l cut 
Mm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Tom starts talking, and then, boom, we cut, and then you hear, because I think it would have been too distracting. It wouldn't have been smooth if all of that ambient noise would have come in over the dude in his tub. You just wanted to hear a guy start talking, because you might be led to believe that maybe somebody else is coming into his apartment now, you know, and it just smooths that out for you. Well, it wouldn't be a smooth cut, because they're trying to, like, be gentle in the transition. If all of a sudden you heard all that ambient noise, it's the same problem as just cutting visually even. It's just too jarring. Too jarring. He's into it. He's into it. And then picture cuts, and then immediately you hear the ambient sound of traffic and stuff. But I thought that was interesting. I hadn't noticed that before in this movie. Or in any movie, really. Well, I mean, it fits into the dreamlike state you go into when you watch these things, too. Like, the logic... Of it doesn't have to be sound, especially with those types of transitions. And I think starting with that human voice, it somehow mimics our our thought patterns and our memory. That's interesting, man. Because it's That's like interesting. you are thinking about this guy. You can remember what he said, hmm. and that can be in your head. But then it's not until you see all of right, this outdoors that you would actually hear that. Right. No, that's perfect. I love it. That's that's perfect. But if I was editing this movie, I just would have had all the sound come in, you know? The voice, the ambience, helicopters in the background. Well, now, you, now you know better. See, I learned something. Next time. Oh, man. I have a question for you. What do In-N-Out Burgers... Or what, what do In-N-Out Burger rappers look like in 1991? This is not a question for our quiz. I can't answer that. I don't know what In-N-Out Burger rappers look like today. I've never been to an In-N-Out Burger. I was at one like eight months ago, but I don't remember what the rappers looked like. I should totally make it a point to go to an In-N-Out Burger next time I'm on the West Coast. Oh, you have to. Just it's, to pretty, it's pretty good. say I've done it. It's not going to blow your mind or anything, but if you go to 56... 51 to 56. I wonder if these rappers... There are rappers on the... There's, are those In-N-Out Burger rappers? I mean, I know it's before the Larry Sellers thing, but maybe they've already been there and they were jonesing for more. Well, like you, you one, mean you think the dude has been there? Yeah. Or were they... I thought I mean, you were going with the Oh, maybe riders. Larry Sellers went there. Okay. That's better. Granted, that's what I, I don't meant. think he would have taken the... A stolen vehicle through a drive-thru? No, he might have done that. I'm just thinking, is there a connection between the fact that his house is near an In-N-Out Burger? <gasps> See? You did all the work for me. But Thank I don't you. think he would take his... Uh, his well, he could have, right? Taking on a joyride and drove past his house? Maybe. Yeah. Or at least... Well, he'd drive at least towards... Well... I actually have a link here to the route that they possibly took because I know where Hollywood Star Lanes is, where the car was stolen from, and I know where you know the where Auto the- Circus is, and I know well no, not the auto but I know where Van Nuys is. Right. So we have a general path that they took. So uh, I didn't go one step further and Look up again where Larry Sellers lives, but I know he lives off uh, Radford. But I think it's up in that area, like North Hollywood. I think they thought about that. 
But I think those wrappers are too shiny looking to be in and out burger wrappers because they use more papery wrappers. Yeah, it, it was kind of reminds me of a uh, like a bread, like well, a yeah, I was gonna bread. say like a potato chip, like those, like like Middleworth. If you're from PA or surrounding areas, you'd know what this is, or like a like a like a tortilla bag, like that you get soft tortillas in, like fajita type tortillas. Yes. I don't yeah. Know. No. Yeah. 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 Because it's like clear, clear towards it's the middle. It's kind of glossy and has some colors around the edge. Opaque at the top, but you want to be able to see the tortillas, know that they're not moldy. You, yeah, they have some nice coloration on them. But all right, quick, we're in lightning round here. All right, Come let's on. do it. Let's do it. Lightning. Lightning strikes okay, twice. Okay. <clears throat> Fifty-six oh five. Audio note. Uh, Uli Kunkel says. I said, we'll cut off your Johnson. Oh, but yeah. That's, but that's not what he said. He didn't say it. He's not the one who initially said, we'll cut off your Johnson. It was the, guys who, the guy whose name we don't know. He said, you know, well, we'll cut off your Johnson. And then Storm Air, Uli Kunkel's like, the dude's like, excuse me? He's like, I said, we cut off your Johnson. He didn't say that. It was the other guy, the third wheel. Well, maybe it's part of their weird broken English. Well, maybe. I'm just... I don't want to dwell on it. And also, it's very echoey. And that's more of, like, the dude's state of mind at this point. Well, when he reiterates it, the word Johnson is emphasized. Like, has reverb on it. Johnson! There's a buried, mismatched... What I think is a dude... Fuck. At 56.15... Where it really sounds like Jeff Bridges saying, fuck, as they're leaving. The problem is, you are seeing the dude on screen as you hear this. Fuck. This is what it sounds like. Ready? I'm ready. Fuck. That's what it sounds like. When, when does he say that? 56.15. You gotta listen real carefully. It's right as the Nihilists are leaving. And you hear like a little... Fuck. All right, I'm going to listen now. Compelling okay. radio. No, I did not hear any, any such thing. You're going to have to revisit it on your own time? Yes. Maybe I'll edit it in later. Okay. 5635, audio yes. note. There's, there's some very aggressive cop key sounds, which... You know, is uh, pretty much an indication that they looped all of this sound, which we would know. But listen to the cop's keys. Tinkle, tink, 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 tink. Just missling through the mix. Bam, it's keys. You don't even need to listen. It's not compelling right. radio. But it's okay. there. Yeah, it goes. It's there. 5645. You know, I definitely noticed that. 5645. Considering that this entire scene has been looped, which I just proved with the missile-like cop key sounds. They have a helicopter coming overhead, and I don't know what that does. It provides like a sense of desolation or hopelessness or something, but you can hear a helicopter go overhead. But they're looping this dialogue, so I don't know why they would use any of the wild track. There we go. Moving on. 
The dude, this is now referring, this is a character slash dialogue note. At 56.30, as soon as we enter this scene of the auto circus, we found her last night in Van Nuys lodged up against an abutment. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Lodged against a what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As if he thought maybe that was dirty or like he didn't understand what an abutment was. Right, right. (laughs) Which, again, I didn't, never really notice, but it's like, he's just all fucked up because his car is all crazy that got stolen and he just got broken into for a third time. It's Wait, lodged against a what? (laughs) And the cop just keeps going. And then, um, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, the cop just keeps going. He doesn't really Nothing like a the nice question. solid yawn on a radio program. I know, man. I'm sorry. That is the best. That's why we're in the freaking <laughs> lightning round. <laughs> okay. Question. How did the nihilists know the dude's address, Brad? Mm-hmm. I'll have one. no choice but to have them take it out on you, sir. So we know for a fact that the Big Lebowski is definitely in contact with the Nihilists. Here is proof. How did they know where to find him? Because the Big Lebowski told them. He even told us that he was going to tell them. Yes. Although he did say any further harm, but he just told them anyway. He's in contact with them. They're in league. Well, he said, I have no choice but to tell them to get the money from you. From you. Right. So right, right, right. He right. did. So, but what he it did. doesn't. So, so yes, they're definitely in contact, but it doesn't say in what capacity. Not in what capacity, but like, come on, yeah, you're like exchanging pleasantries with these, calling them up on the phone. Crazy. So he is definitely talking. Well, to them. they call the Big Lebowski and be like, "We want the money," and he's like, "This bum has it. Here's the address." Except. That he assumed in the limo that he was going to talk to them again. What, assuming that they were going to call? How did he know that they were going to call? Well, they're looking... He didn't. He called them. I'm just saying we're halfway there now to proving this. We are halfway there. I have a link to the Larry Sellers joyride route. And then I have a question. A question for you, Brad. Yes. What band does the dude hate? Don't answer that. So we're still doing this quiz? I think so. We haven't gotten any answers yet. So. We had. We did, get an, we did get another. Oh, did we get one? Yeah. Did we get one. Well, we're going to see it through. We're going to see it through. We're going to do the quiz, even though we've had two. We've had two different listeners submit. Wait, who was the second? Uh, Christine. What did she say? Christine A.W. Okay. She wrote, I had it open now, of course. It's, it's well, don't forget lost. that the, the second t-shirt, you have to have the most correct answers. We did decide okay. that. So, so there's still chance for someone else. Oh, yeah. You just have to have the most correct. Because uh, we have here the answer to question 16. Oh, what is it? What's, what, well, can we say? No, we don't need to give it away. Let's not give it away. All right, but we do have one correct answer so far. So yep. one is the loneliest number that you have to beat right now. Send in two correct answers. And you will be in the lead. 
All right. So we have a correct answer to question 16. Question 17 being, what band does the dude hate? Question 18 being, now this is not a Lebowski-related question. Ready for this one? Oh, ready, yep. What was the name of the town where Brad, that's you, Brad, where Brad witnessed garage doors open in the middle of the night displaying stacks of furniture? Again, question 18. What was the name of the town where Brad witnessed garage doors open in the middle of the night displaying stacks of furniture? That's a good question. Do you need to correct it at all? No, that's good. I'll go with that. Good enough, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. 19. Which war did Walter serve in? That's a throwaway, but there you go. 17, 18, 19. 19 being which war did Walter serve in? All right, we're done. Lightning round. Lightning round is done. A little longer than we wanted, but... So I'm going to add an extra, just an extra (gasps) little fact here. Oh, okay. Ready. On the Larry Sellers joyride route, Uh huh. I was trying to figure out where they, uh, where the In-N-Out the Burger abutment. was, where his house was, because they say it's, they mentioned Radford and Camrose. Oh, and In-N-Out Burger. Yes. So they say it's in Radford near the In-N-Out Burger. I forget the exact quote, right? Um, he lives in North Hollywood on Radford near the In-N-Out Burger. Right. The In-N-Out Burger is on Camrose. Near the In-N-Out Burger. Oh, gotcha. So I searched in the Google Maps for Radford Camrose. Okay. Radford Camrose Los Angeles. I searched that term. And you know what it returns? In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out Burger. Holy shit. Because so many people have been searching that shit. Well, you know, I've I've been looking up a lot of... The machine figured it out. ...filming locations for The Big Lebowski, and there's a lot of different sites that have a lot of different film locations for The Big Lebowski, but I haven't seen that one. Hey, copy that. Let's uh, let's put that in there. Now, granted, it returns in an out burger. But is that only because of this movie? I have no idea if this actually is anywhere near Radford or Camrose. Oh, there it is, Radford. I see Radford. More compelling radio brought to you by the crew at Gutterballs. For all your quality radio listening needs, tune in to gutterballs.tv. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash gutter something. Also on YouTube <laughs> at gutter Guttercast. Guttersomething.com. Let's register that now. (laughs) If you care to have more consistent updates, tune into Twitter at Guttercast, where you can find all of Brad and Adam's hijinks. (laughs) That's what I got. Oh, Tumblr more your thing? Dial in. You see what happens. Lebowski.com. Tumblr.com for for some more shit that you don't really give a shit about. We <laughs> that was my nice social re- media. <laughs> oh shit. But seriously, if you if you answer some questions, you can submit it on the website. You can comment 
on Facebook. You can send us a, a tweet. It doesn't matter. Answer some questions. Just put the question number in or not. I don't even care. Just here's some answers. Just put them in there. Send it. You're probably going to win a t-shirt. So there you go. Oh, I have some other prizes that I'm, we'll have to talk about next week. I'll put it in the revisits because there's some excellent items. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's blast let's, oh, off. Oh, let's do Oh, and I have to give the one just last thing before we go. There was a, I, this was on our uh, Facebook page. Rolling Stone put out their 25 best cult movies of all time list. This is probably from five years ago, but I just found it. And I got to give a shout out to Tommy West, who I don't even know if he listens, but he correctly picked that Big Lebowski was not number one. So if you want to see where it did in fact rank and what was number one, go to gutterballs.tv. We'll put it in the show notes. All right. All right. Bradley. Adam. Excelsior, my friend. Is that okay that I steal that sometimes? Oh, that's totally fine. All right, I'm taking your subtitles. I'm taking your Excelsior. Makes me happy, man. Take it all. Boop deck. <laughs> I even took your boop deck. I couldn't even tell if the show was still on or not. Yeah, who knows? Who knows, who knows at this point? Next time on... Gutterball. <laughs> Leads. <laughs>